Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Thank you, Jessica, for leading us in that song. We've had the opportunity to lead worship and be a part of the team a little bit more than usual over the summer because a lot of our worship leaders are traveling, some are on tour, some minister other places as well. So it gives us an opportunity to step in and do it a little bit more, and we're grateful for that. I wanna start by simply celebrating a little bit of what God is doing. We've already been doing that today uh, with the ordination of uh, Oscar Brajas, his family arriving here, thinking about all these kids that we're praying over. Poor little sweet Dakota, we need to throw her her own party later. (laughs) Jessica gave me the numbers yesterday of our active roster of Graceland Kids and Youth as of this promotion Sunday. And it was amazing to me because of what God has done in just a few years. But right now, from birth to fifth grade, we have 68 kids on our active roster that are part of the church family. Isn't that awesome? And now 15 kids from sixth to 12th grade with the uprising sixth graders. I said it like it's an uprising. (laughs) Sixth graders are an uprising. That was a Freudian slip right there. Also, the last two times we sent any kids to camp, it was just my oldest daughter by herself, and next month we're taking a group of 24 kids to camp. So we're just celebrating how God is raising up this next generation of kids. And it's part of the reason that we need to create capacity for more space for our kids and students this fall. And the way we think we're gonna do that is, it's pretty much decided for sure, consider this an announcement. We have to launch full kids ministry in both services. So we have a 9 a.m. service and a 10.30 a.m. service. Right now, this is the only service that has full kids ministry, our nursery ministry, our preschool, and our elementary ministry. This fall, in order to allow for more space, we're actually completely out of space already for those kids. We're, we're asking a number of the families to pray about potentially being part of the first service on a regular basis, and we'll do full kids ministry in first service as well. It also means we need to double the size of our kids ministry team between now and then. So if you're hearing my voice right now, who can hear my voice? I'm just curious. <laughs> Consider yourself recruited. Are you breathing? You're on the scene. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, you know, there's background checks and it's actually, there's a whole, it's not that easy to get on kids team, but we need you on kids team. And I wanted to let you know that you can serve as little as once a month or even every other month or twice a month. And the thing about two services is it allows you to serve one and attend one. And we'd love for you guys to prayerfully consider that, not just because we need it and because I'm asking, but it's because it's part of the mission of God and what he's doing here. And it's a chance to pour into kids and raise them in the way of Jesus and change the world. Are you guys with me on that? So please pray about that. I didn't hear anyone with me on that. Everyone's afraid of committing. Everyone's afraid of committing. If you raise your hand right now or make a noise, I'm taking a mental note. I saw you in second service on this date at this time. I'm just kidding. Please do prayerfully consider it though. Last week, we also took an offering in the same spirit of celebrating for some missionaries in Panama. And we we take an offering not every month, but close to it. We also support missionaries on a monthly basis, 31 missionaries and organizations. And just to let you know some of these numbers, because it's just great to celebrate the offering Last Sunday, it wasn't even announced ahead of time. It's to help young girls and protect them from predators in Panama in a specific area and introduce them to Jesus. So far, $3,097 from our church family to that offering. Isn't that awesome? 
And then the one we did for the, the ministries in India just a month ago, it approached 3,000 as well. And the one we did for one of our missionary partners in Africa who was here just a couple months before that was over 7,000. Just to give you a picture, it's not all about these numbers, but it's a beautiful indicator of what God is doing in our church that above our regular tithes and offerings, we are giving on a regular basis towards missionaries and ministries like that. Isn't that great? And we partner with other churches strategically for a lot of these initiatives. So that Panama ministry, if you count all the other churches that we partnered with on that, just a family of churches that I'm in relationship with, it's over $64,000. So they get this huge swell of income to help them for a season. So give yourselves a hand for that. I'm trying to, trying to keep the party vibe going. I don't know if it's working. I do want to encourage you, and then I'm going to share a brief message before we dismiss today, but God's doing a beautiful work. He's writing a wonderful story here, and I encourage you to commit to gathering with the church family on a regular basis. Uh, don't treat it as just a haphazard thing. Maybe I will do, maybe I won't do. I understand there's all kinds of situations with work and travel. It's not a guilt thing like that, but there's something about the gathered church, not just on Sundays, but community groups, also organically. God works through his gathered body to allow people to encounter him in really beautiful ways, and it helps form us into the likeness of Christ. So it's the position to encounter him, and it's the position to kind of work out our spiritual muscles and grow. I also encourage you to commit to scattering as the church. So we gather, but we also scatter. So wherever you are, seven days a week, whatever time of day it is, we just believe God has you there to be a positive influence, to be the church scattered. So see it that way, commit to it. You are a sent one, a missionary from the Lord. And then commit to serve. That's the idea of joining a team. And you could already serve on one or two other teams. You could still hop in and help with kids, at least for a season until we're able to get a new building for our kids and our youth. That way we can house more in there um, and also commit to giving. So it's a stewardship of our resources. It's really the stewardship of privilege for most of us because the vast majority of us in our nation and in this area actually have more than we need, which means God has blessed us to be a blessing. And I just encourage you, that is what we're doing as a church. You're welcome to join us. And it's important to note, we don't do any of this on our own or in our own strength. It's not like us trying really hard to do wonderful things. What we believe is this, the actual ministry of the living God is happening in our midst because he has anointed us for this assignment at this time with these people and in this place. And I wanna look for just a few minutes today at the anointing of God upon our lives, upon your life, and what that means out of Psalm 23. We've been slowly going through the whole book of Psalms. For the past few weeks, we've been in one chapter, Psalm 23, which is the most well-known chapter of all scripture, the Lord is my shepherd. Today, we're looking and actually finishing by looking at verses five and six. And I wanna clarify, this is not by any means an exhaustive teaching on the anointing. We're really just gonna look at this context and what it might mean for us today. Now, this book of the Bible was written by King David. He was the leader of the nation of Israel. He was the king, he was a warrior, he was a poet. He was a very flawed man as well and made some horrendous mistakes. He was a shepherd as a kid and wrote this Psalm from the perspective of a sheep. And in Psalm 23, verse 5b, meaning the second part of verse five, that's where we're starting today, where he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, this oil that he talks about here is representative. And in this context, it leads to this first principle. God has anointed you with protection and peace. 
And I wanna look at why we know this to be true and what it really means. You see, sheep face all kinds of enemies as we've looked at over the last few weeks. Some of them are really obvious enemies like wolves or lions or bears or even thieves. Some of them are not so obvious. And it's like that in our lives, isn't it? We have obvious enemies, like maybe a really bad report from the doctor that is devastating and there's some kind of sickness, or maybe the loss of someone or the loss of a relationship or the loss of a dream. There's all kinds of challenges we go through like unexpected bills when there's not enough income to match the outflow. And those are the obvious enemies, but there are much smaller things that we actually face all the time, a lot like this sheep. And let me forewarn you, this is a little bit gross, but just bear with me. Sheep face a bug called the nasal fly. Sheep are specially troubled by the nasal fly. These little flies buzz around the sheep's head, attempting to lay their eggs on the damp mucous membrane, bear with me, of the sheep's nose. That's nasty. If they are successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days and form a small, slender, worm-like larva. Then they work their way up the sheep's nasal passage and into the sheep's head. It causes severe irritation to the sheep, and for relief, the sheep often beat their heads against a tree or rub their heads on a rock. And as you can imagine, this causes even more pain to the animals and it's even been known to kill them. But when the shepherd begins to see signs of these tiny enemies, he will begin to apply an antidote to the sheep's head. The antidote is made up of several ingredients. Many times it's linseed oil, sufferin' tar, and the shepherd smears it all over the sheep's head and nose. And once the oil has been applied to the sheep's head, there's an immediate change in the animal's behavior. The aggravation is gone, the irritability is gone, and the animal can lie down and rest, just as David suggests in Psalm 23. So hopefully none of you are facing nasal flies specifically. If you are, go to the emergency room right after this service. But what I know we all face is thoughts that come in seed form. They're not fully hatched yet. They get planted in our minds and they can eventually make their way deep into our being until they become powerfully embedded lies oftentimes or what scripture calls strongholds that torment us a lot like those larvae torment the sheep when it gets in their brain. They mock us. They lead us away from our shepherd and they drive us to beat our heads on rocks and sometimes can even take us out. Thoughts like what the serpent tempted Adam and Eve with way back in the garden. Did God really say that? If God was really good, why would he not want you to touch that? Maybe he's holding out on you. Does God really have a good plan for your life? Can you actually trust God to lead you into a flourishing life? Or maybe you need to take the reins yourself, those kind of thoughts. And then much worse thoughts than that, where maybe you start to develop guilt, shame, self-hatred, things that torment you, like what these nasal fly larvae torment you with. But what this is saying is that we're not alone in, in this, where we're suffering like the sheep is suffering. And we as humankind suffer like this because there is a spiritual battle. And part of the anointing of the good shepherd, Jesus, on our lives is for peace and protection. And I don't know about you, but when I study that and learn that, I'm like, Lord, put your oil all over my head. Anoint me, free me, free my thoughts, lead me in the way everlasting. Help me to actually fulfill the scripture, whatever is true and lovely and good, that's what I wanna think about. That's part of the anointing. 
And it's ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, the good news, the gospel. Look at what Colossians says. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. So if you're not at peace with God and you're not at peace internally today, you can say, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I wanna be a follower of you. Teach me your ways. And part of what you will step into is not a perfect life, but a life of understanding peace and a protection of the living God. Again, not that things won't happen to you, but he is with you. To look at the context again, when David speaks of being anointed with oil, I believe he's also speaking of a symbolic custom of his day when kings were anointed as the chosen of God. And this anointing was representative of authority and responsibility the king would step into based on the power of God. And now we are in the new covenant. So that's the Old Testament. In the new covenant, what the scripture teaches us is that we are all together, every follower of Christ, a kingdom of priests. So there is no hierarchy in the church of Jesus. There's no hierarchy in the family of God. Even though I am standing here teaching right now, I am the exact same as you as a simple follower of Christ, sheep trying to listen to the voice of the shepherd and part of the kingdom of priests. We all step into a role together. And here's the principle. Now your role is different than mine. My role is different than my wife's, but they're all equal together, beautiful in what God has called us to. And here, here, here's what you need to remember. God has anointed you with power for a special purpose. That is true of what it means to be anointed in that context. And the rest of scripture affirms this over and over and over again. And now this is the point where we start to understand that the anointing of God is not just for us. So the peace, the protection, the healing, the restoration that God does in you is not meant to just stay in you. It's meant to flow through you into this purpose. Look at what the psalmist says, right after you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now we're gonna illustrate a little bit here. I have a cup. And sometimes we as followers of Jesus, we meet the Lord and let this water represent the living river of God, the, the, the water of the spirit of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God, of which there is an inexhaustible amount. And we meet him. Some of you might meet the Lord today and it fills our cup and we're like, wow, I'm stepping into peace like I've never known. Wow, there's restoration for relationships. And then, wow, we start to understand that God is actually going to guide our steps and it fills us even more. He has a purpose for our life. He has a plan. He wants to bless us relationally. He wants to bless us with resources. He wants to care for us. He wants to restore us and, and our whole cup can get filled. When we were sinful, when we made horrible mistakes, when we hurt other people, guess what God did for every single one of us? Showed us mercy. We've been given mercy by the living God and we get completely full. And some of us just stay Full. There might even be a little trickle over right at the very beginning, kind of like that, but we just sit right there full and we kind of forget the fact that there's this whole purpose beyond us, but it's important to remember, and this is what we're gonna close with today. The anointing is for you, but it's not just for you. God loves you and God loves just as much your neighbor. And this purpose that he has called you to is articulated in 2 Corinthians if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That's great news. The old is gone, the new is here. That's amazing. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Praise God, that's called being filled up. We've been made new, but then look what the text says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's not just talking about pastors and preachers or prophets and apostles and evangelists. He's talking about every follower of Jesus, the body of Christ, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So yes, you have been reconciled, praise God, but you've been reconciled also so that you can go share that message of reconciliation with others. And if you look at the end of the Psalm in verse six, he further articulates what it is to have a full cup. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God, but also God cares about causing your cup to overflow for the sake of those that aren't walking in that blessing yet. And here's the last principle today. What Jesus pours into your life, he intends to overflow into the lives of those around you. So it's, you're actually life, your life is meant to look like this. Praise God that he's put peace in your life and you're filled up. But let's, let's think about those around. Let's offer that peace to others. Let's overflow. Praise God that he has showed you mercy. Think about your darkest time. You are guilty. We have all been guilty. And God breaks into our life and lifts our head out of shame and shows us mercy. Who's with me on that? Isn't that great? Let's show mercy to others. Let's offer, scripture says that freely you have received, freely give. Praise God that you have a job and income and you can pay your bills. Chances are you have more than enough. My wife and I feel like our finances are tight, but the truth is we have more than enough. So let's let the cup of our resources and our finances overflow. One of the things we don't realize when we just live stagnant and don't overflow is that stagnant water goes bad really quick. If it sits for a few weeks, it starts to get kind of gross. If it sits for a few months, it gets mildewy, it gets mold, it gets unhealthy. You can't even drink it. We are meant to have the living water, the blessing of God flow through us. And this is the call for every believer. And you know what? Sometimes we think, man, what if, what if the water runs out? How can I live open-handed like that? But there is just this foundational truth that the blessing of God, the, the river of the living God is inexhaustible. And as much as we may pour out, as much as we may bless others, we are going to step into the life he has called us to. And miraculously, we're not even going to understand it. Every time we look back at this thing, it's going to be completely full. It's going to be full every time. And part of living the flourishing life God has called us to is letting your cup overflow. When you're not doing it, you know what you're doing is living a selfish life. Is there joy in selfishness? I'm actually asking you. Have, has anyone found any joy there? Is there joy in getting everything set up for yourself and then ignoring the world around you? Is there any joy and peace in that? Is there any fun in that? Is there joy in, in only taking care of the ones that, that, that belong to you and, that, and then just ignore? There's not joy there. God has created us to care with compassion for those around us. This is the mission of God. Even the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, we are a Pentecostal church here, simply meaning we believe in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the work of the person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And when the church was born in Acts chapter two, over 2000 years ago, 120 believers were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Look what it said before that was fulfilled in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So wait, pause there. Blessing of God. 
Baptism of the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Holy Spirit, power of God. That's called cup filled up. Why? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will never see the blessing of God separated from the mission of God in all of scripture. He anoints your head with oil. Why? So your cup will overflow. So live in the blessing, live in the love, but overflow to those around you. That's why our mission is following Jesus and loving our neighbor for the good of the city. As soon as we start following Jesus, he starts us thinking about our neighbor right away. In fact, I think the litmus test for how you're doing as a follower of Jesus is not how good your holiness checklist is. It's the love that you have for your neighbor. Specifically, it's the love that you have with those that you might find frustrating for whatever reason or another. So how are you doing? Are you letting your cup overflow? If you feel stagnant right now, it might not be as much about maybe the opportunity not coming. It might not be the problem that you think it is. It might just be you need to remember this great, beautiful, divine purpose you've called to is just simply to let your cup overflow and God's gonna take care of your life. This is articulated beautifully in Matthew 6, 33, which is our, our, our marriage core verse, my wife and I's. I wasn't pointing at Eric Berenger, but he can use this verse too. I'm like going like this, Eric, me and Eric, this is our verse. <laughs> Seek first his kingdom and righteousness. So that's saying, make your life primarily about letting him anoint your head with oil and your cup overflow. Let that be the primary focus of your life. And the scripture says, he will take care of everything else. And we sometimes do the opposite. We want his blessing and we're really trying really hard to take care of everything else. Man, I gotta get all this right. Then maybe my cup will overflow. No, no, no. He anoints your head with oil so that your cup can overflow. You don't get your life together and then your cup can overflow. He anoints your head with oil and your cup will overflow. That is the anointing. Aren't we thankful for that today? I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. A friend of mine by the name of John Tyson is a pastor in New York City. He had a quote that really encouraged me years ago that I never forgot. And I wanna share it with us, not as an indictment, but more as an encouragement, because I believe that We are and we are even more becoming a church that is focused on the mission of God. I failed to articulate our mission statement. If you could put that back up, Bill. A diverse and enduring church, next one, focused on the mission of God, building a land of grace. This is what we're inviting you into here that the story of God is writing. We're focused on the mission of God. Therefore, we don't have time for like the arguments that sometimes people have in church world. Sometimes the church is known more like for what they're against. They're known more for what they're arguing about, the people they don't like that. And that becomes the branding of the church. But when you're focused on the mission of God, it's not as much about all that. And it's about the actual work of redemption. And the way my friend said it was like this, religious people, in this context, he's talking about like a negative religious spirit. Religious people have preferences, where it's all about the arguments, but missional people, the ones who are focused on the mission of God, have stories. And may we be a church, forget the preferences. We've all got a thousand preferences. And of course, we're gonna do our best to like organize things well and move forward well and with wisdom and with excellence. But let's be a a, a little messier of a church filled with stories. Are you guys with me on that? That was the bad response. Who is with me on wanting to be a church filled with stories of redemption? Thank you. It's like if there's a family that's in the middle of the biggest argument they've ever had, 
and they just think they're never gonna resolve this. If one of them all of a sudden goes into cardiac arrest, guess what? All they care about now is getting that person to the emergency room. Is the argument as important? No. What's important? The mission, restoring people, wholeness, healing, life, stories. So God has called us to be a church where we care about those that do not know him, those that are lost, those that are hurt, because our cup overflows. Our cup is not for us. It overflows. And then the arguments will work out themselves. It doesn't matter that much. You tracking with me? Let's step into the mission of God. And the way we're gonna close is we're just gonna sing this simple chorus again. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our hearts together. Who in our lives are you wanting our cup to overflow on? Help us to be a little bit more aware of it. Put people in our hearts even now, the people that are right near us that we're aware of, but also some that we're maybe not that aware of. God, may our cup overflow. May you build your church, build your kingdom. We want to see stories of life and redemption. I'm going to pray this benediction over us, church, and we'll be dismissed. Go out into the world in peace, and in Christ's name, be the humble who lift others up, the lowly who have riches to share, the weak who help others be strong, and the generous who overflow with loving kindness. Share the treasure of the grace of Christ Jesus and go in the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his mission on the earth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you guys very much. Have a great afternoon. Woo!